Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you are joining us today. And today it's part two. And we're talking about this subject of how to keep from being stressed out. I want you to think about the most stressful situation that you ever have to encounter. Now, when I began ministry many years ago, the most stressful thing for me was public speaking. As a matter of fact, I remember the very first time that I gave a sermon. I was only about 16 years old, and back then they used to do what they call the watch night service on New Year's Eve. And uh, you'd get together on New Year's Eve, they had food and they have different events that they would do. And then in my particular church, all what they called the preacher boys, right? The preacher boys would get an opportunity to give a message. And so it was my turn. Here I am, 17 years old, maybe 16 years old, and I get up in front of the whole church and my brother, who is 11 months younger than me, while we were eating, he grabbed my notes and he stole my notes. Well, this caused a major stressing point in my life. And so I got up into the congregation. I didn't have my notes. I didn't know where to go. And as I began the message, a terrible thing happened. My mind went blank. My mouth went dry. And as I began the sermon, I had no idea what to say. And after just a few minutes of saying, I don't know what, I threw up my arms and I said, that's all I got. And I sat down. Well, I was so dejected. I was so discouraged. You know what really broke my heart, though? What was really sad as I was leaving, I overheard another pastor because we did this with another church. Another pastor said in reference to me, he said these words, and you never forget the negative words that people say to you. This pastor says, well, one thing can be certain about Corbett. God ain't called him to preach. And I remember hearing those words, and it was like a dagger in my heart. And I was so discouraged, and I was so defeated, and I said, well, maybe that guy's got a point. I mean, I just laid a major egg in giving a message. Maybe I have no business going into ministry. Maybe God hasn't called me to do this. You know, from the age of 15 to 21, I was in a wilderness time. I was all over the place. You know, deep down inside, I knew that God called me to do it but I really didn't want to do it. I was fearful uh, and I wanted to do something else. It was very stressful for me. You know, it actually took about 10 years of constant preaching to finally feel comfortable in giving a message. Now, you may think that's kind of crazy, but that's how God worked in my life. And I think the reason he does that is so that we don't get filled with a big head. God is the one that has to do it. And if God can use Balaam's donkey, right? I reckon he can use me as well. You think about stressful situations. You know, I have another, from time to time, very stressful situation. And I discovered that when you know you're going to have a stressful situation, praying and planning and doing the best you can to be prepared for it really helps. And and those of you who've been listening to me for a long time know that I have a son that battles with autism, and and he has uh, several issues going on with his autism, and he's a big kid. uh, He's actually an adult now, and and he's well over 300 pounds. He's six foot one, and he's a giant of a man. And uh, from time to time, he has these episodes where he just loses it, and he'll start attacking things and breaking things, and uh, it gets really loud. and, And I remember one time my wife and I were coming back from a doctor's appointment, and uh, he was in the back uh, of the van. I didn't have him in the way back. I had him in the middle seat. That was mistake number one. I should have him in the way back, but as we're cruising down the road, we're kind of in an area on 460 where the traffic's kind of heavy, 
And wouldn't you know it, he has an episode. And as oh, great. Well, he starts attacking my wife, and I'm driving, and I'm trying to push him off, and then he attacks me, and, uh, you know, the van's swerving all over the place, trying to miss cars and trying to miss trucks, and, and finally, I, I skid the tires, and I get off into a little side area of the road, and I get him out of the van, I get him away from the traffic, and he finally settles down. Uh, but I can tell you, that was about 15 minutes of sheer terror, sheer stress. I mean, my heart was racing. I think my heart just jumped out of my chest and got up into my throat. And uh, I had to regain my composure. It took me about 15, 20 minutes to kind of get back into a mindset where I could keep on driving. Well, stress is a terrible thing, right? I shared with you yesterday in the broadcast, what are we most stressful about? Uh, Money and health and work and family, personal safety, relationships, housing costs, job stability, economy discrimination, all these things are things that stress us out. But the Bible tells us that instead of stressing out, we should rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Philippians 4, 7 says, If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. Paul is reminding us here during times of stress, we ought to rejoice. And we rejoice, and as we do that, it doesn't mean our circumstance change. It means that God allows us to be at peace in the midst of the storm. 154 times that word rejoice is used in the Bible. So yesterday we learned, first of all, a great way to reduce stress, handling God's stress God's way, is number one, avoid evil and rejoice in good. You see, if you were raised in a very legalistic environment, maybe went to a legalistic church, that legalism robs us of our joy. I want you to know that God accepts you just as you are. He will change you. He's doing a great work in you. Philippians 1 6 says, He who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, I'm a work in progress. There's no doubt about that. But as I'm in this process of working, I should avoid evil. I should rejoice in what is good. Don't get hung up in legalism. Legalism is that belief that we must add something to grace to make us more acceptable in God's sight. And this is a perpetual thing. It seems like the legalist mindset can never be made right with God. He's always falling short. The second thing that we learned yesterday is that if we want to reduce some stress, avoid evil, rejoice in what is good. Number two, place your confidence in Christ, not your credentials. You see, when we place our confidence in our credentials, it's going to be leading to self-exaltation. You know what happens when you place all your confidence in your credentials? You become filled with pride. And then you discover that you can't even live up to your own credentials. Paul says, everything that I thought was gain, I now count for loss for the sake of Christ. He says, everything is worthless. He says, it's actually rubbish. In some translations, he says, it's dung. He says, I count it rubbish. In comparison to knowing Christ, I want you to know that when you avoid evil, rejoice in good, place your confidence in Christ, not your credentials, you will discover the stress begins to diminish in your life. 
And then thirdly, we said keep pressing on. Failure does not have to define you. You know, failure can be a stressful time. It can rob us of joy. So what does Paul say? We're down to verse number 12, Philippians chapter 4. He says, you know, not that I've already attained this or not that I'm already perfect. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. He says, now, brothers and sisters, I don't consider that I've made it my own. But one thing I do, I forget what lies behind and I strain forward for what lies ahead. I press on to the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, I've taken up walking, and, you know, I feel like I need to lose a little bit of weight, try to get myself in better shape, and, you know, the Lord has blessed us with our first grandson, and we have a granddaughter that's going to be born in June, and so as a result, I'm thinking, you know, maybe I should take better care of myself so I can keep up with these grandchildren. Well, I've discovered a way to get my 10,000 steps walking in every day. I look in my neighborhood, it's about two and a half mile trek around my whole uh, subdivision. And so I'll pick up something down the road and I look and it's okay, I see that big tree and I'm going to focus on that tree. And then when I get to that tree, I'll be around the bend. That'll get me about a third of the way around the circle. And then as I'm walking that, in the corner of my eyes, I see houses. And I try to pray for these houses as I go by them, but I keep my eye on that tree. And then when I get around that bend, there's another big house that's right at the end of that bend, and I focus on that house. And I says, I'm going to keep my eye on that house as I'm walking, and I find I do much better if I focus on something that is ahead of me. And then I focus on one final course as I get around the final bend, and I says, okay, right up here is where the country club is, and so I'm going to focus on that, and I'm going to walk with that in my mindset. And I'm focusing on that, so I make it to that goal. And then there's one last little corner I have to take, and voila, I'm home. How do I do it? Focusing not where I've been, but I'm focusing and I'm pushing on ahead. I press toward the goal. The same is true in our lives. Don't focus on the failures. You know, failure is not fatal. Failure should be our teacher, not our undertaker. It should challenge us to new heights of accomplishments, not pull us to new depths of despair. From honest failure, we can come and we can learn a valuable experience. You see, mistakes are the stepping stones that lead to a future accomplishment. Keep pressing on and keep going in the right direction. Forget the past. Listen, yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a gift from God, which is why we call it the present. We are products of our past, but we don't have to be prisoners of our past. The mindset is this. Look forward. In a recent issue of Runner's World, Jess Malvad shared how she lost her passion to press on. You see, tempo runs scarce in me. Though long, hard-sustained efforts always look impossible when I see them on paper, doubt begins to creep in. She says, I remember one run in particular. I saw it on my plan, and immediately I began creating a laundry list of excuses as to why this was simply just not going to work and why I wasn't fit enough. 
and why I wouldn't finish, and, and why I would fail. Before I even laced up my shoes, I had already convinced myself, I can't do this. Well, instead of using the warm-up to find my groove and to prepare for success and get excited and make the best of it, I adopted a loser's mindset, revisited my list of excuses, and fell further into a bad attitude. You see, the problem, she says, I realized, was that I treated my entire training plan like a tempo run, hard, fast, strict, in a tempo run. If you don't hit your pace early, it's nearly impossible to catch up. In my training plan, I felt like if I didn't hit a workout early, I wouldn't be able to catch up. Well, how did I fix this problem? She started treating her workout collectively like a long run. She says, I love long runs. Settling into a relaxed pace, enjoying the route, focusing on only one goal, that is finishing. I love that I can have a bad mile in the middle and I can still end strong. She says, now when I set a new goal, I have what I call the long run mindset. I find success and I find value in my training because I'm not desperate for immediate results like I had been. I care more about the big picture and my long-term goals as a runner. I have shifted my attitude to think bigger than short-term outcomes and to work toward lifelong success. Later, she gives this advice. In training, as a whole, your why will likely be more meaningful, but just as important. What are you running toward? Figure out the reason for the miles, and they become easier. What are you running for today? What is your main goal? Don't focus on the failure. Keep pressing on. Paul says, I am going to press on. I'm going to make Christ my goal. I'm going to follow him. And as a result of doing that, it's amazing how the stress begins to be reduced. Well, here's a fourth way to help us handle stress God's way. Live out what you already know inside. Let's look at verses 15 to 17, Philippians chapter 4. Paul says that those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. What is Paul saying? Well, let me give you an illustration of a tennis competition. Finally playing 13-year-old, six-foot-tall school jock. And as you're playing this person, I couldn't know what he had to do. And so a voice shows up out of nowhere saying, you're not going to be able to do it. This was a big obstacle, knowing what to do, but doing what we should do. You see, some piece of knowledge will make him great. So he began thinking about how to defeat the enemy rather than focus on how big the enemy was. Faith fire, and focus. As somebody says, these are the three ingredients to success. Faith, that is a belief that I can do it. Fire is that determination that I'm going to start it and I'm going to finish it. 
And then focus is looking at the goal. I'm going to focus on the end. James reminds us that we don't know what's going to be on tomorrow. What is your life? It's as a vapor that appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. He says, instead, you ought to say, well, if the Lord will, we're going to live and do this or do that. But now you rejoice in your boasting. He says, all that boasting is evil. He says, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth not, to him it is sin. Listen, cooperating with God and what he is doing inside of you, you can learn some valuable lessons. And that is keep going. You've seen how we've worked in your life in the past. Some of us have learned valuable lessons in serving. Some have learned valuable lessons by learning the Word of God. Keep it up. Did you know that by giving up, you are actually setting a terrible precedence for those who come behind us? Did you know that 195,000 people die every year from preventable medical problems? Why is that? It's lack of focus, not lack of knowledge. Could it be that their faith is lacking or their fire is gone out or their focus is struggling? I remember watching The Waltons. It was a popular TV program back in the 1970s. Well, one of the episodes, there's a story that is told, and and The Waltons was about a large family living in Virginia during the Depression era. One particular show was entitled The Lost Sheep, and it focuses on Erin Walton. She was the fourth oldest of seven children. Now, she had been dating a young army officer named Ashley. And Ashley, and she had been dating off and on for a few years. While on leave from the army for three weeks, Ashley proposes to Erin, and she immediately accepts. Now, in this scene, Erin enters a room where her mother, Olivia Walton, is working on Erin's wedding dress. Mama, there's something I want to talk to you about, Erin says. Ashley would like to be married at the Baldwin's house. Well, Mary Ellen got married on the mountain, Olivia says. The way times are changing, I guess you can get married anywhere you want. I'll talk to Reverend Bradshaw in the morning. Well, Olivia continues to work on the dress. Well, it seems like Aaron wants to ask another question. After a brief pause, Aaron says, Did it ever bother you that Daddy was not a religious man? Oh, your Daddy's a very religious man, Olivia says. He just worships in his own way. That's all. Why do you ask? Because Ashley doesn't want to be married in a church, Aaron replies, or by a Baptist preacher. Has he got something against Baptist, Olivia says. I guess it's religion in general, Aaron says. A look of alarm comes across Olivia's face. Are you telling me that Ashley doesn't believe in God? Well, Aaron immediately becomes defensive, firing back, Mama, I don't care what he believes, because I love him. Well, I thought you said he was a churchgoer, Olivia says, clearly troubled. Well, he he was when he first came here, Aaron says. Something's changed him. Aaron, I don't think you should rush into this, Olivia says. When your daddy and I were first married, we had more problems than we wanted to admit. 
even to each other. Twice I packed up everything and took John Boy and went home. Both times it was on a Sunday because Daddy wouldn't go to church, Aaron asked. And I wouldn't take no for an answer, Olivia replies. But Mama, that was silly. Not when you have children to worry about, Olivia says. You both want what's best for them. And if you want different ideas about raising them, you have to compromise. Not too many people want to compromise when it comes to religion. But you and Daddy work things out, Aaron says. But at least your father believed in God, Olivia fires back. If Ashley is an atheist, you may be raising your children in a godless home. Mama, I won't let that happen. You might have no choice, Olivia says. Aaron, I'm sorry, but the joy has gotten out of working on this dress. And with those words, Olivia puts the dress down and walks out the door. Mama, Aaron says, I know how you feel. I'm sorry, but I'm going to marry Ashley. Now, what do you think about that whole story? You think about what is happening. Here we discover somebody who is living on the outside, something different than she's living on the inside. As a result, there's going to be major conflict. There's going to be major schism. Listen, we are told in God's word not to be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. For what commonality is there between light and darkness? Oh, I want to encourage you, if you're a young person and you're thinking about marrying somebody who is not in the faith, and you're thinking, well, I'm going to change that person. Oh, I want you to know that you are adding unnecessary pressure and unnecessary stress on your marriage. Maybe you're already in a situation where you're married to somebody who is not a believer. I would pray for you that God will give you the words to say, that you'll do it in a Christ-like way so that you can win your spouse over to the Lord. But those who live with the lowest amount of stress live out what they already know inside. What's living on the outside is based upon their core beliefs within them. That is a great way to reduce stress. If you're a business person, as you look at the values of your company, make sure that you're living out the values that you profess. Make sure that there's no disconnect between how you operate and what you believe. Because if you do, there's a major source of stress that's going to overcome that business. Well, time is just about out. I want to share with you one final point. When frustrated, when overwhelmed with stress, keep the end in mind. Here's what Paul says in Philippians 4, verse 18. For many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly and they glory in their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Well, you're making good progress. Keep going and help others. You have processed good thoughts. Keep thinking maturely. Keep helping others. You have followed a good example. Keep following and help others. Remember that we are sojourners. We're just passing through. No matter how difficult life may be, this is just a temporary assignment. 
Our citizenship is in heaven. We are waiting our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come. We're waiting for him to transfer this lowly body and give us a glorious body that's going to be made possible by the power that he has given to us. He is the one that subjects all things to himself. Listen, when I'm frustrated, keep the end in mind. This life here is very short. James says our life is as a vapor that appears for a very little time and then it's gone. If we're only going to be here for a short amount of time, why do we spend long times stressing? God is in control. He has a glorious future for us. While we're here, He's doing a mighty work within us. He who began this work in us is going to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. So keep the end in mind, and frustration will begin to diminish. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Listen, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. If you don't have a place to worship, why not come on down to Hickory Ridge Community Church this Sunday at 9 o'clock or 1045? Well, God bless you. Thank you for listening today. If you're interested in a prayer request being prayed over, shoot me a text message at 252-267-2365, 252-267-2365. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Thank you for tuning in. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.